Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the house today? Everybody good? You guys look fantastic. Thank you for being here with us in the room. For those of you who are, for those of you who are with us online or maybe even out in the lobby today, thank you guys so much for being here with us as well. Uh, In fact, can we give all those folks out there a big old hand? Would you say hello to all of them? Thank you, guys. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're a guest with us today, it just means uh, so very much, so, so very much that you've chosen to check us out today. Welcome, and we hope you've had a great day so far. Um, two, two quick things before I jump off into the message. Uh, two weeks from today is our back-to-school Sunday. I know some schools have already gone back. I know that Northside, which is the, the, the school, the, the public school system that represents our area here, they don't start till the 28th. I'm not sure why that's happening this year. I know the parents wish it was next. Come on, next Monday. The kids are so glad. Kids, we love you, but we're ready for you to go back to school, and it's good for you. It's good for you. Um, and one, one more thing. Um, we're gonna, so, by the way, that day we're going to bless our kids and pray for them, bless our schools, uh, teachers, administrators, and everybody who's working with schools, uh, and, and our homeschool moms and dads, because come on, y'all, that's a whole nother level of commitment, but we're proud of them too. Come on. Amen. Uh, revival nights. Um, we're praying every day, Monday through Friday, right here in this room. It's just a kind of come and go deal. There's no program it's just come in and pray for a while. There's always prayer cards across the front that you can pray for. If you have a prayer request for your family, for your friend, for your neighbor, coworker, whatever it is, there are prayer cards in the seats, and then there are some out at Next Step Central. You can drop them in that box out there. And if you don't want anybody to see it other than the prayer team, you can let us know that. Um, if you don't mind, we'll put it out here, and lots and lots of people will pray for it. Wednesday night, so 6 o'clock. We missed this a little bit last week. 6 o'clock, we're praying here together as a church family. And then at 7, worship starts happening. We have a food truck. And then we have uh, our friends from the Good Hood with their uh, root beer float truck, which is, is amazing, by the way, especially when it's 100 at 9 o'clock. Come on, somebody. It was this past Wednesday. Um, so uh, come out and check it out. It's a lot of fun. And if you missed this past Wednesday, I don't even know how to tell you. Um, you missed a great, great night. It was an amazing night of worship, so join us this week. And, and let me say last thing. Uh, Brandon, uh, our, our worship leader, um, many of you know because we prayed for him last weekend, yeah. His, uh, his wife was in the hospital. They have a baby they're expecting October the 1st. They told her last weekend she was going to be in the hospital until the baby came. That was what they kept telling them day after day. But Wednesday afternoon, right before we walked in here for church, he texted us and said they sent us home. Everything is looking awesome. So thank you for praying, everybody. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. Thank you for reaching out. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We're, we're starting a brand new teaching series today. We're calling Family Life, as you just saw. And it's, it's back to school season, and so family's on our minds, uh, and so we're going to kind of lean into that. And let's be clear about something real quick. Doing a family series is never an easy task, because we all have families of that are complicated family stories, uh, and, and now family life is more complicated maybe than ever. Um, 
Because of the ever-changing landscape as it relates in our culture to marriage and faith and family and gender and human sexuality, um, as, as, a, as, a, as a country, uh, I have to say it because I believe it's true, we've gotten away from God's design for all of that. And as a result, I feel like family life has become more uh, chaotic than ever before. Uh, although you could argue the first century Christians... It, what was going on in the Roman Empire, uh, it, 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 this, isn't, this isn't a new movie, right? This has been played before, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. When, when you, when you, we, as people who follow Jesus, we, we, we follow this too, amen, everybody? This is what we're doing. So when you look to the Bible for instructions about how to have a great family life, um, right away, the Bible gets complicated. First pages, think about this. The very first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve, um, think about their life. They are created in perfection. They're not even capable at that point of getting sick. Come on, somebody. That's a, that's a whole other deal. They have perfect bodies. They live in paradise, perfect environment. They have zero baggage that they came into the world with from their families. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like they had no preconceived notions. The wife wasn't going, well, babe, in our house, this is how we did it growing up. And the husband's like, oh, what? No, my mom said this, right? They didn't have that. They didn't have a mom and dad. They just had God, right? Right? So they, they, they have no way to mess that up. Um, and, and by the way, this is probably too much. They get to, no, nah, I'm not going to say it. All right. <laughs> it's just good. It's all good. And how long does it take them to mess it up? Not very long at all, right? Right from the start, hear this with me. Right from the start, Adam chooses Eve over God, and men have been doing it ever since. And they have two sons, and by the time they've reached young adulthood, one of them murders the other. Come on, first family, y'all. We're just getting started, right? Then there's Noah. Remember Noah, the most righteous man, the Bible says, of his generation? He gets drunk and gets naked in front of his kids, right? Anybody ever see that puppet show in Sunday school growing up? Like little naked Noah, you know? Come on, my, I'm so old school, we had felt boards in our school. Little, little felt boards and you'd have felt Noah, right? And he's walking along and here's a felt ark. Y'all don't know that kind of technology. Anybody, you, you feeling what I'm saying, Brad, right? Not too many people know you know, it's funny because it gets kind of worse from there. You go to Abraham and Lot. Whew, Lot doesn't show up in any Father's Day cards, everybody. There's a reason. I'm not going to tell you what it is today, right? The Bible doesn't airbrush out all of the imperfections of family life in the Bible. We do oftentimes, but the Bible doesn't, right? There's just real talk in there. Th then you fast forward to Jesus. There's not much of his childhood that we know about, uh, but when he's 12, his family takes a long road trip and they lose him. They forgot him. And they don't even know they've forgotten him until a whole day has passed. So like a drive from here to Orlando, where's our kid? That's what happens. I thought you had him. What do you mean? You had, it was, he was your, and they're arguing Mary and Joseph, right? Like puppet Mary, I'm just, I don't know why I'm doing puppets for everything now, right? And, and by the way, this is where the first Home Alone movie came from, right? Jesus setting traps for the Pharisees and paint cans and tarantulas. Come on, everybody. Lots of violence. Just, that's a joke. Um, but then something happens that changes everything about family life. The New Testament 
comes along, and it's almost, uh, at, at the risk of sounding dramatic, it's almost impossible for me to oversell what I'm about to tell you. When the Apostle Paul and the disciples start traveling around the Mediterranean Rim, especially Paul planting churches, he begins to, in his letters, in his teachings, in his writings, he begins to insert into those, those teachings how family life should work. And what he taught was so countercultural that it was shocking to anybody who read it or heard it for the first time. As a matter of fact, the teachings that Paul and Peter and James espouse um, had never in history been practiced before, right? Not, not even by the nation of Israel, not even the Old Testament family. Nobody had ever heard this stuff. It was revolutionary. And the things that Paul taught were simply a reflection of the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the things that Jesus had said about the value of men and women and children uh, and marriage, about, about loving one another as he has loved us. So, so, so in a moment, and today what I'm going to do today is just give you an kind of overarching um, blueprint from, from the New Testament uh, about what the Bible says about family. Some of it's going to cause you to go, what? 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 Like, that's old-fashioned. Some of you are going to feel that way. Some of you are watching this, listening to this. That's super old-fashioned, out of touch. That's why people don't go to church. That's why some people are going to say, right? Um, and, 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 and if you study, though, the history of the culture that Paul and James and Peter are writing into, it's amazing that any of this made its way all the way to us here now, that it ever got out of the first century, right? What seems so common or even old-fashioned to us now was revolutionary and futuristic to them. They had never heard anything like this. And, and Jesus comes into this earth and he breathes a, a life, um, he breathes hope, uh, into family life, into relational life by saying that at the foot of the cross, men and women and children and every race and every nation and every people group and every language group, all of it is on equal footing at the foot of the cross. Everybody is valued. Everybody is equal at the foot uh, of the cross. And so Paul takes the implications of what Jesus taught, what Jesus said, what, what, what he had been passed down to him. And he says, in light of all of that, what Jesus said, here's how family should work. So, so I want to give you, I'm going to go quickly today. Today, not a lot of handles, not a lot of practical things, just an overarching theme that we're going to build on for the next few weeks. We're going to give handles. We're going to make it practical. But today, just what does the Bible say about family life? What is God's divine design? What is the ideal? And I know that many of us are living in the real. We talk about this, right? There is the ideal, what God's word says, the way things should be. And there's the way that things are, the way that our life actually exists. And there's, there, there is grace for the real, right? There's, there's grace for the real. But, but, but Jesus will never stop telling us, I want you to point your life towards the North Star, right? So... The blueprint for, for building family. Ephesians chapter 5, this is for everyone. Therefore, be what? Say it with me. Imitators of God. 
This is for everybody. This is the keystone. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Like everybody, no matter your age, where you come from, your background, children of God. So every member of the family starts out by saying, my job, my role is to do what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. And, 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 and if it doesn't start there, it breaks down pretty quickly, right? The family life devolves quickly if everybody's not going, hey, we're gonna do everything we can to live for Jesus. If we are hearers, going back to last week, only and not doers, it doesn't really work. The, the reality of submitting your life to the lordship of Jesus and then living under his authority has massive implications for all of life. Like we compartmentalize spiritual, secular, spiritual work. No, no, with, with God, he doesn't compartmentalize. The gospel should change everything in our life. When you become a Christian, um, all of your relationships get redefined in relationship to Jesus. He becomes the North Star of how we treat one another. And, and so God, you are first in our lives. Everything we do will revolve around you. You are not going to be a spoke on the wheel of our lives, God, right? You are the hub of our life, and Jesus, we're gonna revolve our lives around you. Does that make sense? That's where it starts. And then he goes on in Ephesians chapter five, he starts talking to husbands. I'm gonna give you all of the things that I know, right? Um, from the Bible. Husbands, say it with me. Love your wives. Now, let me say something to you. No one had ever said anything like this before. And especially not with this caveat. Just as Christ also loved the church, and say this with me, and gave, self-sacrificial, right? Husbands love, and that word love there means uh, have their best interest at heart, right? Sacrifice for them regard their, their welfare, that's what this means, right? Not just be attractive to them, not just go, woo, you're hot today, not just that, that and this, okay? No one had ever said this before. Wives were often treated like the property. I don't, I don't mean in the religious world, I'm talking about in Roman Empire, Greek mythology, right? Like women are over here, men are up here, children way, way, way down the line in the first century. Nobody's ever say, said stuff like this before. And gave himself up for in the, in the same way, husbands, that's who he's talking to. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own, what? Bodies. Because some of you know the, the dudes, whether they should or not, come on, they're looking in the mirror like, yeah. Like, women, you guys are way too hard on yourselves. Can I get an amen from some women, right? Some, like looking in the mirror, it's like, you're like, oh man, whatever you do, whatever you say. But dudes, we're not like that. We stand in front of the mirror, it doesn't matter how bad it is. We're like, why wouldn't somebody want some of this? <laughs> we see the best in us, even if no one else does. And he says, husbands, see your wives like that. See the best in them. Call, see the best for her, see the best in her, and, and then love Love like Jesus loves the church, which is impossible, fellas, unless God's presence, God's spirit helps us. We don't have that in us unless God will help us. You're good guys, all of us, we are, but we don't have that in us apart from, from make, being imitators of God. Colossians chapter three, here we go to fathers. 
the dual role of husband, father. Fathers do not embitter or exasperate or provoke, depending on the translation, your children or they will become discouraged. So the word here has this idea of, of, of embitter, of don't incite them, which doesn't mean that we don't have rules because the other verse right before says, children obey your parents. So we're not saying throw out obey the parent part of it. We're just saying don't push their buttons just trying to get under their skin. Moms don't do this either. Grandmas, uncles, aunts. Come on, uncles. You'd be provoking your nephews and nieces, don't you? Oh, that's just me. I see how it is. And I used to provoke Andy. Pastor Andy I used to provoke him bad when I was, he was a little kid. Anyways, and, and, and we see in almost any culture that wherever fathers are absent or uninvolved or disinterested, it becomes a burden to the children and the mother. Yes or no? Everywhere dads drop the ball for whatever the reason is, it's a burden to the children and to the moms. And God says, hey, here's the ideal, right? Here's the ideal, and we're going to keep unpacking this. He created the first family. He owns the patent on families, right? And, and, with, and, and he gives us an order for, for how families should function because without order, there is disorder and dysfunction, right? And, and when, the, when the order gets wrong, things don't work the way they're supposed to, so God creates order. He then gives responsibility. He then delegates authority from him. So for, to the dad first, right? And, and we didn't do anything to deserve that authority, men, other than that we were created first according to the word of God. Now, when there is a dad, and I realize that there's not always a dad involved, God's delegated some authority for, for the father to lead the, the home. But to lead it with mom, like two generals, partners, like equals, mom, mom backs up dad, dad backs up mom, and the kids are in charge of the pets. I know that in our culture and in this room and watching this right now, there's some people going, I'm not sure about that order. It's patriarchal. It's the worst. There's a lot of bad things that happen because of patriarchal right, ways, right? But this is what the Bible says. And, 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 and you're like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if we're going to do that in our family. Let me ask you a question then. Assuming you have a, a family together there, how do you decide who has the ultimate authority in the home? Um, is it whoever's the strongest physically, right? Is it whoever makes the most money? Is it whoever has the most volume in the arguments, right? Is it whoever just wears the other one down over time until they just finally go, whatever, man. Do it, just do it whatever how you want to, right? By the, by the way, that happens a lot, yes or no, right? How do you decide who, who's gonna go, okay, listen, I know we all, but this is what we gotta do. This is what, this is what God's word said. And, and God created order. He delegates authority to the dad, not to lord it over anyone, right? And, and that's, exa that's exactly the opposite of what should be happening, right? Um, the authority is meant to, to use to serve the family, right? There is order. And when you stay in order, you head towards God's ideal for family life. And I realize that not every family has a dad in it. So in those cases, you start with the mom. And single moms and single dads are awesome. And we support you to the fullest, right? Um, but, but, but there is an ideal and there's an order. Colossians 3.18, this is the one the ladies are gonna love. Wives, ready? 
Submit yourselves to your husband. I'm out. I'm out. I'm quitting. I quit. I'm gone. Right? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Right? As what? As is fitting. Right? It fits in, in, in the Lord. But you, you don't know my husband, Danny. Hang on. Hang on. L- let me say this. To, a lot of men have taken this verse and the one like it in Ephesians chapter 5 and have used it to uh, rule over their families. Men, can I just ask you what the first word of this verse is? It's not written to you. You have your own verses. This one is not written to you. Okay? So, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to come back. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is, say it with me, for this is right. And then what's the next word? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with what? With a promise. What was the promise? Do you remember from Exodus chapter 20? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land that God's going to give you, that you may live long. So if you don't do it for any other reason, you get to live longer, apparently, right? That's the promise. Kids kind of get thrown under the bus here, just obey and honor. Uh, But there is a promise. Uh, And here's the deal, kids, especially younger kids. I want to say this to you. Um, There are parents see things that you don't see not because you're not sophisticated or smart, because you're way smarter than we were at your same age, right? But just because you haven't lived long enough to know all of the things that go on in the world. Like, like, like I used to take my kids to the parking, uh, to Target. We used to live right behind the Target right over here. And uh, so I take the kids there and, you know, they always wanted to run ahead of me in the parking lot. The girls did. And it's like, they don't see, they're, they're too short for people to see them and they can't see the cars coming around the corner, right? Some, somebody on their phone. They don't see that. So it's my job. It's like your job is to hold on to the cart and push it and not jam in the ankles. Come on, right? Don't, don't jam in the ankles or the back of my knees, right? At the end of the day, parents were called to lead, to protect, to nurture, to coach, to correct. At different, there's different stages. There's zero to five. There's a way you do that. There's five to 12. There's a way you do that. There's 12 to 18. There's a way you do that. And then there's 18 and beyond, there's a way you do that. We're going to get into some of that over the next few weeks. There's a way you do all of that, and that's our job, and we, don't, we can't ever relinquish our parenthood. But by the way, you don't get to do that until you die, right? So, so kids, your responsibility, no matter what your age is, because everybody's a kid in here, yes or no? Everyone is. Everybody watching, you are. Your job is to honor your father and mother. I'm 51 but I'm still my parents' youngest child. My mom is 82, my dad's 84, and it remains my job to honor my parents, which I try very hard to to do. Doesn't mean that we're gonna always agree with each other about everything, but it means that no matter what, I will be honorable in my interactions with them, always. And you can say, you don't know my mom, you don't know my dad, you don't know what they did, you don't know what they said. Listen, you don't do it because they necessarily deserve it. You do it, but they do, because they birthed you into this world Yes or no, moms, can I get a witness from y'all, right? Like until you did that, you don't, you, I got some honor coming my way. We do it because that's the honorable thing to do, right? So, th- so that's it. Um, according to Paul, this is how it's supposed to go down. That's pretty much the ideal. Husbands love your wives. Wives submit. Have you met my husband? Right, come on, everybody. Right, children obey. What? My parents haven't had a good idea since I was two, right? I get, like, like. Fathers don't exasperate your kids. They exasperate me. I get it. Okay, I get it. Hang on. Orient your lives around the, the North Star, the ideal. It is really the best way forward. This stuff was all brand new. 
There'd never been a culture, there'd never been a family culture where these principles were applied. It's old to us, but it was brand new to them. And, 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 and as we've said, because in, in, in their day, in their culture, and really in ours as well, it's just might makes right. Whoever has the power, whoever has the money, um, rules over everybody else. It's still that way all over our world. Jesus comes along, turns the whole thing upside down and says, if you have power, you should use your power to serve the powerless. If you have money, you should use your money. If you're rich, Paul says to Timothy, it, those, let those who are rich in this present age, let them use their resources to help those who cannot help themselves. If you're influential, Hebrew says influence people towards love and towards good deeds. Um, so, so Paul comes along, he wants to take all of the teachings of Jesus and create a central teaching, which is what does love require of me, no matter what my role is in that family, what does love require of me when it comes to my family? What does love require of me? That's the key. In our homes, in how we raise our kids, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our children, how, how the children treat their parents, what does love require? When the gospel comes into our homes, there are changes. There is order. God gives specific instructions to the family that in every case reflect his authority in our lives. So back to the verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands out of reverence for Christ. Right? Submission gets a bad rap in our culture, but submission really just means sub under the mission. Under, say it with me, under the mission. Now, before anybody else goes and leaves, hang on, all right? I'm going to teach this now. Uh, what it means is I'm coming under, I'm coming under the mission of our family. I'm going to come under and help carry the load, the burden that you carry, mom, dad. Uh, so in this verse, uh, I'm going to help carry your load, your burden, the things that are heavy in your life, husband, Right? And so question to the men. Do we have a mission that our family wants to come under? Do we have a clear picture of what God has for us as a family that our kids and our wives right, want to come under? There, there is always love and honor given to our wives. She's the general. Come on, right alongside of you. Can I just say this? If in my house I didn't have her there, it would be a total disaster. It would be a total disaster. Y'all don't know me very well, but I'm not the, I'm messy a little bit. Everywhere except in here. I don't tolerate any mess up in here, over there at the office, folk be messing stuff. I got to straighten it up. But in my closet, it ain't good. It ain't good. If I didn't, if we hadn't, if we didn't have a partnership, a real partnership it would not work. And, 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 and dads, we teach this to our kids. Like the one thing I will absolutely not tolerate in, in our home is any dishonor or disrespect to my wife from our kids. They can do it to me. They will not do it to her because um, I'll deal with it. Submission in this context, ladies, does not mean silence and servility. Right? You don't stay silent if your family's headed off a cliff. Which means, ser servility means you're serving, but there is no honor to it. Like, like quiet church mouse 
making sure everybody's good except you. Come on, that's not what is implied here. That's not the submission. You can be under the mission, so to speak, and speak up. I, I think that we need to really rein in our spending. Come on, somebody, right? I think the kids need some dad time, right? I think, I think we need to tone down the anger or the rhetoric or, or, or the harshness. I think it's a mistake for us to sleep in on Sundays and skip church, which I'll say amen to that. Come on. That's, that's what I'm saying, under the mission. Now, now here's the deal with that verse, which, which people have gotten really been out of shape with. This is actually verse 22. Can we go back to that verse? Can we go back to the, the wives? I, I, I'm, in, I'm in Ephesians chapter, never mind, never mind, because I got it messed up, right? E- Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, wives submit, right? But verse 21 says, submit to, here we go. There it is. Submit to, this thing gets hung up in the back for some reason. I don't know why it does. It's not the operators, it's the computer, I promise you. Submit to, say it with me, to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's the overarching principle to all of family life, right? Submit to one another, and then Paul starts to go, wives, this is what you do, dads, this is what you do, fathers, this is what you do, kids, this is what, uh, husbands, I'm sorry, this is what you do. But, But what he's saying is to everyone, all people who are trying their best to follow Jesus, in your churches, in your communities, in your families, in your neighborhoods. Um, this is the principle that we submit to one another. But mutual submission is the idea of all of these passages. Meaning, everybody is supposed to come under the mission, and he starts out again, wives, husbands, dads, kids, all of this asking, uh, all of this out of reverence for Christ. N- notice he doesn't say reverence for each other. Because let's be honest, sometimes we are not worth revering. I'll speak for myself. I'm supposed to do it, not because of them, but out of reverence or in honor to Christ. The gospel resets the rules as it, at, at, and how we relate to each other. And this should be the hallmark of, of Christian families, the driving force behind how we operate as a family unit. What that means then is that I'm gonna leverage my time my influence, my authority, my resources for your benefit, family. Whether I'm the mother, the father, the sister, the brother, the son, husband, wife, daughter, I'm gonna look for ways to get under your burden and, and, and help you carry it, your burden, out of reverence for Christ. Guess what Jesus did when he came here? Philippians chapter two tells us that when he came, he got under the burden of our sins Aren't you thankful for that? He paid the the price for our sins. He used his resources. He leveraged all of his own authority. And he, 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 he leveraged his own position and ultimately his own life for the sake of us. There is a sense that he put us first. He died for us. He's God in flesh. All the authority, all the honor, all the worship belongs to him. And he, he puts all of that under the mission for us. And he says, husbands, please do the same for your wives. And I know some of you are thinking, Danny, this is so old-fashioned and so strange. Get with the time, Danny. There's somebody going to listen to this. They're going to make fun of me. I get it. I get it. 
But let me ask you a question. How is it going for families in our culture right now? Listen, just be honest. Not, not from the perspective of a pastor or, or, or the Bible. I mean, go study all the data sets, all the analytics, all the empirical data about how families are doing in America right now. Not my word, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, the doctors, the, the scientists, the social scientists. How's it going? It's not going well at all, everybody. So listen, what is normal in our culture isn't working by any standard of measurement. So we can keep doing it your way, the world's way, and keep getting what we're getting. Or we can go old school. Because old school is the new school. COVID, it reset all the rules, did it not? I went super old school. I just decided, man, we're going to hang out with the family. We didn't have any choice. I guess we're hanging out tonight and tomorrow night and the next night and for lunch and for breakfast. Listen, write it down. Old school is the new school. So Paul recognizes what Jesus said, what he did. He sets up a model that everybody should in the family should submit to one another. Come under the mission, not of reverence to each other, but out of reverence for Christ who modeled this for us in the beginning. So the idea of mutual submission is that we leverage our power, our resources, our time, our energy, our assets for each other. Please hear this. It is the most powerful, dynamic, humanly achievable. You want to change your marriage? Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. You want to change your family? Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. You want to get back into relationship with your siblings that you don't talk to anymore? Submit to one another. You want to, you want to, you want to build, rebuild a bridge to your family that you haven't talked to in years? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Lay aside your pride. Lay it aside and come under the mission. And the message of mutual submission is just simply this. Hey, fam, I'm here for you. Hey, fam, you, hey, hey, babe, you can count on me. Hey, kids, you can count on me. This is what Paul is saying is the ideal family that each of us uses whatever we have to leverage for the benefit of another person. So as a dad, I'm going to say this to the dad and the husbands in the room. My response, and if you're a single mom, I'm going to say this to you as well. Single dad, I'm going to say this to you as well. My responsibility as a husband and as a dad is to make sure that everyone in my family is blessed. If I had a band up here, I would go Fred Hammond on you. Everybody say bless, say bless, say bless in the morning. Anyways. In the no Nobody knows Fred Hammond. Okay. Come on, we're going to sing that song. Oh, I got to sing. <laughs> Since thou was walked up rightly in the light and not dark land. Anyways. That I have positioned my family to be blessed by God in every area of their lives. And if you're going to have a blessed family, you're going to have to go God's way. I'm not saying if you want to have a rich family, you don't have to go God's way and be, you could be rich. You could be famous, you could be, you could be successful. I'm saying if you want to be blessed, 
you, 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 you can't have your best family until you start saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not put sports or education or career success or fame or money before God. None of that stuff is bad. Bear with me. But it does not come first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that other stuff. It'll be added to you as well. So if my family is going to stop with the dysfunction and really start to function optimally, three things that we just learned from those texts. Love, respect or honor, and mutual submission. And if love and respect and mutual uh, submission or mutual getting under the mission are hallmarks of the home in ever-increasing capacities as we learn, as we grow, as we, as we can, then God... God's heart for the family will be birthed in us and our families will be blessed. That's, that's what the Bible says. That's the groundwork for this series. We'll unpack it, what it all means later. But today I just want to give you that, the blueprint, so to speak. Would you stand with me? And the band's going to come back. We're going to sing out just this last little bridge. And I know some of you are going to run out and it's okay if you do, I guess. But if you want to stick around just for another second. We're going to sing this um, bridge. I'm going to stall until they get here. Pretend like nothing's, none of this is actually happening uh, behind me right here. Erica, do you mind just jumping into that bridge? I'm going, to stop, I'm going to pray over us while we're getting ready. Lord, thank you for our families. God, all week long I've been so, so, so heavily burdened for families. I've seen all the prayer requests coming through. So many of them related to our kids or our marriages or our family life. And Lord, the enemy's trying to destroy families, but we stand against him in the name of Jesus. We break his power and his, his, any sort of authority that we may have given him in our lives, we take it off of it, off of, in Jesus' name. God, we're coming against him in the name of Jesus. We're standing up for our homes, our families, our marriages, our kids. Whatever it is that we're doing, God, we're standing up for it in the name of Jesus. And we speak the name of Jesus over it, I pray in Jesus' name. Sing it up, would you? Sing it out. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Come on, shout Jesus. Come on, shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Shout Jesus. Your name is loud. 
Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.